it is time to tune up the band and put on your best blue lucha mask for it is another episode of the sweet chinwag podcast i am sam alongside reardon and dan as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling and oh boy what a wacky world it's been the past seven days hello chaps how have we been (laughs) Um, has, has, has much happened then, fellas? I don't know. I think I, missed, know, I think I might have missed something. I, I, I seem to recall something like happening in in Britain. L- listen, right, guys, I'm tired and I'm hurt and I've had enough with working with fucking children. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so excuse me, I'm going to eat a muffin. Uh, listen, um, here at the Sweet Chinwag podcast, uh, dear listener, we have... No opinion that we can say <laughs> on this podcast. And I think we're just going to leave it at that for the, for the best of right. everyone. Here's, 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 our, here's our announcement. <laughs> you already know. You, you damn right. <laughs> Listen, just, just, you want to, you want to know our opinion? Don't ask our. Opinion. I was going to say you want to know our Don't. opinion. It's the video of Kurt Angle going, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh god, damn it! You I'm can't, try- just, you can't. Even I was not willing to tweet that. <laughs> and that was I'm after just... finding the upscaled HD version, which, <laughs> which, by the way, thank you to Impact for posting that. It's absolutely brilliant. No, that's actually terrifying. Oh, it that's is. Actually, like, it ain't. You know, I completely, you know, I completely forgot that he was bleeding like yes. through the course of that. Yeah, it's like blood all over him. I never noticed that until they released that video. Looks absolutely monstrous. I, I'm Mate, sorry. That's, that's it actually, this, no, that is it, that is, that is it, peak Kurt on a perk. It literally disturbed the bit out of me. I only I could only watch it once. It was scary. Does yeah. it qualify as body horror? I was gonna say yes, Kurt was absolutely. a yes. Kurt absolutely. was a fucking was a different beast back then. But anyway, it's been it's been a week. We'll get into it. We'll get into it in a moment. But before we do. It is, uh, well, it is it is 2022, and it is another Hispanic Heritage Month. I'm looking, really looking forward to doing that. But, as ever, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. Depending on if they're going to be running, because, of course, you know, when something happens, everything needs to shut down. You know, guys... Everything in this country is shutting down, but except for us, because you know why? We are always pending, and even in the depths of tragedy, we always, always will be. You know, this is going to be the weirdest time capsule when we listen back on this episode in several Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, before you know, we get... You know, you know oh, you're saying that, right? It makes me think about like the I like just like way far in the future, right? Yes. Assuming, 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 like you know, media doesn't like entirely collapse or whatever. Yes. But like we're over enough places that we probably survive somewhere, right? Maybe that that like inevitably sometime in the future, (laughs) there's just gonna be a person that stumbles across this, finds this episode, and is just like. And it's just like, huh, something strange must have been going on. And then they'll like look up the approximate time that this happened and just see this. And I'll just be like, 
and it's just like they'll just be like, oh. <laughs> That's why they were the way they were. You damn right. Right. Um, Before we get on to our first episode yeah. of Hispanic Heritage Month 2022, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Down. Wrestling news. All right, so it's been a busy one, chaps, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. A a, oh, a bit, a bit in 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 the lang in the language of my people, you might say it's been a sticky one still. To quote the SmackDown theme song for two thousand and three, it's been a long term. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh gosh, that, mud, Dad. Where anyway, the hell do we begin? I mean, I think, I think the place to start is probably going to be what, like Clash of the Castle. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's start there. Honestly, watched it as it happened was a really fun event, to be quite honest. A couple of weird booking decisions here and there. Um, uh, it's I I for me one of the things was why the hell have they not put on a show at the Principality Stadium before? Because it was dark, nigh on flipping perfect. Because because they were like. It was the eternal thing of Vince being like, well, we would do shows abroad, but it costs too much money and we don't get enough back, so it's not worth doing. And to which Triple meanwhile, H said, hold my meanwhile, castle. Triple, Triple H was just like, nah, we're just going to do it anyway, though. And mm. then, you know, it turned out to be a major, so it turned out to be a pretty major success. And then uh, having seen American commenters on social media be like, Yo, they just need to run a show in the UK every year. The fans are built different, to which we are. We know that. We, we, we are built a certain way. Fan, cult, fan culture in broadly Europe, but then also like Europe-influenced countries, because I'm including like Australia in that. Yeah. If anyone's seen Aussie Rules crowds, they're brilliant, yes. especially also Australian cricket fans. Shout-outs Adelaide Crows. But like... <clears throat> All like anything to do with that, it's just like amazing, and I'm happy that people are recognizing that, and I'm happy that the power of the European audience is being recognized. I think it would be really cool if they, every so often they just did like a circuit of shows held in different European cities. Yes, it's like Germany's quite a good hotbed for wrestling. France is a kind of newly redeveloping scene, mm -hmm. so I think that'd be really really cool. Uh, um, you know they could do stuff like when they did um, when they did NXT UK Takeover in Blackpool, which was really cool. Obviously, it's yeah. quite more for like a roster show, but I still think it'd be quite cool anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like there was some there were some weird decisions, but everything that's kind of come after that fact hasn't been the worst. Exactly. Exactly. I mean to 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 give give you highlights of it. Um, Seth versus Riddle wasn't that bad at all. I mean, his his Elton Seth's Elton John slash Curry Man gear was quite a, a nice little tribute there. Um, we uh, Imperium is now back. Yep, which was great to see, and honestly, was a was a a very very solid match from both Volta and Sheamus. Um. Yeah. What, it honestly probably did steal it as match of the night uh in terms of fan reception that definitely was the match of the night i think for the crowd um but i think anyone who's been a fan of volta for such a long time just knows when th that volta 
absolutely slaps in it, it literally and figuratively. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I know lots of people were saying about that match and like kind of I had to go back and watch it like afterwards because work. Um, but like honestly, like I I thought it I thought it was pretty damn great. I gave it a I gave it like a generally kind of like a four and a half yeah. for myself. But like you know what, in terms of WWE running a high impact match, that's brilliant. It was it was really blooming good. Um, yeah, basically, the main thing I'm getting at is do more shows in the UK mm-hmm. or just broadly Europe because good. <laughs> Um, they're working on expanding that kind of more broad worldwide audience. Mm-hmm. NXT UK is still like seven weeks behind. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they were showing the stuff. They were like, oh, it's going to be like a triple threat. And then meanwhile, they're just like posting on social media pictures of Mandy Rose or like both the titles. I'm just yeah. like, what the fucking point? <laughs> um, obviously, apparently, they're still planning on continuing with that NXT worldwide plan apparently the plan is to do a mexican expansion don't know how that's gonna work but we'll see um you know i guess maybe with triple h at the helm it probably won't be as bad (laughs) we will see but Uh, like again my problem my problem with it is always the thing of like they want people to work the wwe way and there's kind of a thing that happens with mexico which is that obviously you know when you train in mexico they work from the other side yes (laughs) so like you know, can you imagine doing something for like, I don't know, seven, eight years and then all of a sudden you have to try and figure out how to reverse all of it? Like, do it in the opposite direction. I guess it's why Mr. Co decided to fuck this shit I'm out. <laughs> I say that. They, they, fucking, they've got an advertising deal with Netflix. Yeah. They did the, as promotion for Cobra Kai, they did Mystico and Kemenito getting their revenge on Ultimo Guerrero, which was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was Frankly, a I love the it. Whole. It's, it's, it's hilarious. It's one of the greatest pieces of, of weirdly cross promotional media I think I've ever seen. And I feel like it's like it, and a way to play on probably one of the most iconic moments that Kemenito's ever had in his career. I feel like it's weird for me because I know who Kemenito is, and no one else that uses that knows who he is. Yeah. Like even from even most of like my other friends who are into wrestling. And they're just, they're like obviously they, they post like the gif, but I'm just like, what if I told you I know about the name and the wrestling career of that small man in a monkey suit? Yeah. I mean, I, all right. If, if Reardon needs context, I'm showing. I am posting the gif right now. And if and if if Reardon not recognizes, you remember it, this? Yes. Yeah. So, yes. so the blue, the blue, the the blue green monkey suit person is Kemenito. <laughs> Incredible. And they did a whole revenge angle. Netflix did. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, that's that's a whole thing. Anyway, um, uh, I'm maybe... gonna say, should we try and move quickly over to before oh, that? Wow. Though the only thing I'm gonna say, are you gonna mention LA Knight? No. Before that, actually, okay. I want to talk about the main event in general because okay. um, a lot of good things. Actually, I think it was a very solid main event. Um, of course, Drew came out to Broken Dreams as a pre-entrance song great to, great to hear that everyone really popped huge for that um it was half an hour of um it was oh but it was very overbooked as as entertaining as it was uh because roman won with assistance from it seemed like everybody um carrion cross interfered at one point 
Um, Fury wanted to cash in, but was then thwarted by Tyson Fury. And then we had the debuting Solo Sokoa breaking up the pinfall for Drew. Uh, for Drew, um, and then Roman of get of course getting the free and the win. I think it was an obvious thing. I, although I think there was a part of us that I, especially me, thinking I think they might actually pull the trigger. Um, I mean, my thing, my thing was given given the reaction. I think they probably. I like. I think. I think the thing is right. I know it's such an obvious thing to do, mm. but like, you're never gonna end up in a better situation to get that belt off Roman. I don't think for a crowd reaction as big as that. I don't think you were ever gonna get something as good as that as well. Uh, like, I think the closest you could possibly do it is. Could you possibly say that Cody winning at WrestleMania would generate that much a buzz? Or a crowd reaction I mean, like, as a, I, a UK I, I, crowd yeah. to Drew. I mean, in terms of the broad, like international audience, probably yeah. But like, that's that's talking about like just. I think that's just sheer size of numbers. True. Like yeah, if you get Cody to dethrone Roman, then yeah, it's gonna get it's obviously gonna get a reaction. But then you're also gonna have to wait for that. Yeah, and it's so it's and, it's and we already and we already know now that like Roman is starting to cut down his schedule even more. Exactly. Um. So it sounds like you know Triple H is still going through with the with the plan that's been the plan I think for for a very long time. Uh, with Roman, I and I guess now I mean the way we've we've been we've been saying it now for a longest time. I think there's only one of two ways this is going to end now. When mm. you really think about it, it's either Dwayne. Which again, I think a lot of I I'm probably on the sentiment of a lot of people saying that there really doesn't need to be a belt that for that sort of no, match to no, happen. Yeah, there's no need for belts in that. No or Cody. Yeah. yeah. Why not both? Frankly. Yeah, I I I mean I if wouldn't Cody, I wouldn't say no to that. Him at the Rumble or something. Hmm. Alrighty, fellas. But yeah, let's get let's now move over to um let's now move over to all out because in wow. terms of an actual pay-per-view, I don't think we can be there and say it's not bad. It wasn't bad at all. Honestly, it was too damn fucking long. I mean, so- yeah, the problem was there was fifteen fucking matches on it, which is just <laughs> fucking stupid. It's like five hours. Now that does now when you're me and you watch it the next day. And you're able to just skip through most of it. Mm. That doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. But my bigger problem is like the distribution of stuff is all over the place. Just a wee bit. Because like I get it, right? For what they're trying to do with it. But like it feels weird that Kingston versus Ishii was just like a pre-show match, right? Pre-show Wait match, and he's gone a second all out by having one of the best matches of the night. Like, crazy, it, isn't it? It feels strange, right? Oh, that's real strange. But like, okay. Obviously, there's everything that there's everything that goes into it. We had the, um, the return of MJF, which I think was actually done surprisingly well, considering I think, I think, the casino ladder happy. match. Uh, I him, think I think genuinely not badly. Honest to goodness, Stokely Hathaway grabbing the chip, uh, and Max coming out in a devil mask to sympathy for the devil by the Rolling Stones was an inspired piece of creativity yes. there. 
Um, I, and this th- is the kind have... of thing that we've. This is the kind of thing that we've come to expect. Exactly. Exactly. Honestly, and honestly, I think the group that Stokely has, I think it's an awesome group. If you ask me. Yeah. Um, I'm and not the one a, that's going to sit here and say that, oh, they're a job of group to the stars. I was like, fuck off. You've got Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, W. Morrissey. You've got the Gun Club. I mean, that's that's a solid group of peeps to have. And this is the thing, right? The base is there. Mm. Now, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that is wrapped up into this, and we'll get to the main section of it as well. Yeah. Obviously, to talk over some kind of like broad aspect uh, i hope in the future we get ftr versus mostly machine guns just on their own just doing their own thing i just didn't like it with like the extra people I agreed uh, for me ricky starks is a bona fide star and should be in the Correct. upper mid card I feel, I feel i feel they've got to get him into the main event they've got to get him in up there yeah uh, they've the, got to capitalize on what they've got Scissor, I can't believe in the year of our Lord 2022, Scissor Me Daddy is as over as the crotch top. But, but like, but like again, though, it's awesome to see the acclaim be in that position. I'm, again, slightly surprised they didn't call an audible on it, but when they win those belts, it's going to be big. It's nice to see wrestling finally have uh, a person um, who is part of the LGBT community that is not a is not a stereotype of the LGBT community. It's fucking awesome to see Anthony Bowens is basically just a frat boy and the hype like, man for Max Caster. about it, though, right? We have an openly gay wrestler competing for tag belts while, you, while saying, scissor me daddy ass. And people <laughs> are behind it. <laughs> it's beautiful. What a time to be alive. <laughs> this is progress, people. Damn right. And, like, obviously, obviously, there's everything else. Like, I want to talk about Tony Storm being, like, women's interim champion. And we'll get to that, right? Because it's a whole thing. I can't believe like, I was right. God, me neither, mate. Me neither. <laughs> I called that. There is, there is a mystery wrapped in an enigma, wrapped inside a puzzle, wrapped, wrapped inside broad confusion, right? But let's get to the main section of it, right? Which is what happened afterwards at the media scrum and everything that happened afterwards. So yeah, Punk is now new AEW champion, two-time AEW champion, but that was not the main event of all else. No, right? I think we all broadly agree on this, which is that all of us have no real particularly firm position on anything. If anything... Yeah. My position, and I know it's something I didn't really want to talk about until I came here, is that no one's a winner in this situation, given what had happened, this, what, this, has said, what has been this is, said. This is, this is basically what I said to, to, to most of my friends, which is, as a result of this, basically no one wins. <laughs> like, yeah. you can argue, like, you know, it drives interaction and it, it gets people paying attention and it gets people doing X, Y, and Z, right? But really, it actually benefits no one at all. No one, no one at all. I and like there, and like mm. there, there, there's there's like whole conversations wrapped up in this about like how, what you think about how AEW is run, and what you think about like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, 
how what you think the conflict of interest is between them being EVPs and wrestling talent and then yeah. also having roles in booking and stuff like that. And those are all entirely valid mm. complaints. Yeah. You know, like I, like I often say to people, I'm like, look, AEW is not PWG in that same sense, right? Because it's like, yes, Although- they, are both project- they are both projects that they are both involved in. They both have elements of power attached to them, but like one is very clearly not the other. And also there's not Super Dragon in AEW to like corral them. Yeah. But like... Not for long. You know, but like, you know, the- these are these are kind of two things which aren't like necessarily exclusive of each other, if that's the way to say it. Yeah. But like realistically... The end result of this is that no one really benefits. No one really... It doesn't really do anything for, like, AEW. And ultimately, Mm. it's not going to really do anything to also reflect well on Punk and then people that are backing him, people who are backing the Young Bucks. Basically, it's just kind of become a vehicle for people to put out what they believe their view on wrestling is if not that then certainly their view on aew as a whole like like i'm not i'm not gonna say it's like a shibboleth or anything Mm. like but it's kind it's kind of like when um it's kind of like you know when you are when you are like if there's someone from like outside the kind of circles you're normally in and you say to them what's your opinion on this and you kind of know, depending on how they answer, how they fought anyway. Yeah. Because, like, as, as I said to these guys, um, and to mention um, a friend of mine that I, I used to work with, <laughs> it reminds me of a story that a friend of mine that was from Northern Ireland told me that when he was growing up. Mm. This whole, this whole, this whole discussion, which was that when he was growing up in Northern Ireland, and obviously, you know, you have the big conversations: yeah. are you Catholic or are you Protestant? And then it led to the inevitable question where it gets a point too far. Mm-hmm. And so he recounted this story to me about when he was growing up, and he said there was a Muslim kid that had joined his school, mm. and they asked him, "Are you a Catholic Muslim or a Protestant Muslim?" What? <laughs> Wow. Like, yeah. It's but... kind of about like affirming these kind of almost like confirm mental biases. Mm. It like I, I feel like the people who are there saying certain things already had a certain kind of perspective. Yeah. Um I might be completely wrong with that. And no, if I if I am, then please tell me because I, I'd like to be correct. I think you I think you put nail on head, especially considering, of course, you know, a lot of those a lot of the talent that started out were very much of the um of the Californian scene. Um so they definitely probably would have gotten the first hand or second hand accounts of the guy of, of of certain people through through other certain people as well. But it I so I'd say I'm a I'm I'm in agreement with you on that one so for those that are uninitiated or those who are not wrestling fans punk went on a weird tirade completely unprovoked that started off all about his history with colt cabana um wasn't asked about it he immediately targeted a journalist known as ryan hausman 
who once did imp- an improv session with Colt Cabana. And so he le- leached onto that and then proceeded to do a pre-rehearsed tirade into Cabana. I won't go into the into the, at length of what he said because that is for you to actually that is on YouTube for you to have a look at. I highly recommend Denise Salcedo's video instead of the actual IAEW feed because for some reason they pitched the mics are pitched down low, so Punk kind of sounds like Zordon from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> As he's drinking soft drink and eating baked goods from Mindy's Bakery in Chicago, which I can assure you when they opened on Wednesday probably did gangbusters. Probably. Probably. So he, after that, he goes on a tirade criticizing Hangman Page and the EVPs of AEW. Whilst all this is happening, Tony Khan sat right next to him like a deer in the headlights, kind of going through an existential crisis. As he can't get a word in Edgeways as well because Punk is cutting him off. So, after all is said and done, Punk's had his part of the press conference done. In comes Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland with Tony Khan sat there. Next minute, security has been informed to uh, to report to a scene that is happening in the locker rooms. You actually, there is a video feed of a of a of a security card absolutely pegging it out of the press room and into the locker room because after Punk's very strong words about the EVPs, Kenny, Matt and Nick Jackson decide to enter his locker room and an all-out physical altercation starts. What's been described as an altercation, a melee, a bar fight, anything and everything. Um, It's call it what you will it was a physical altercation that's for damn sure a lot of people were punched kicked um punk's trainer and friend a still threw a chair at nick jackson which knocked him out apparently uh, there was a moment where the only person if you call if if there's anyone to respect in this situation kenny omega during the the, the start of it decided to had he had his priority straight and took punk's dog larry out of the room uh, and 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 took him to safety because he didn't he wanted to make sure that La- uh, that Punk's dog Larry was away from this and didn't you know uh, was under too much stress. Um, and as soon as uh, Omega walked back in, he tried to take a a steel off of one of the bucks and a steel bit Kenny Omega's arm. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's <laughs> so. With all, so apparently as well, with all of this, the Bucks and Omega came in with, <laughs> believe it or not, they walked into Punk's locker room with the legal team and HR during the altercation. Uh, but not only that, there was the security team, but there was also Pat Buck, Christopher Daniels, Michael Nakazawa, and Brandon Cutler involved in that fracas as well, trying to split, uh, trying to split everybody up. We should we should mention that uh, Christopher Daniels is part of the talent relations team. Yes, <laughs> I don't so, know what the rest of them were doing there, but <laughs> me neither. Although I will say, I would love to see the Brandon Cutler cut of the fight because there is no doubt in my mind that guy was filming it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the one shouting world star actually yeah, yes. <laughs> oh brandon we love you dude you're a great dm 
but I can imagine that you probably were filming that at one point for BTE. Anyway, needless to be said, everyone that was involved was quickly suspended. Uh, Matt, Matt, Kenny, Matt, Nick and Kenny were suspended, as were Ace Steel and CM Punk eventually, but also were Pat, Bunk, uh, Pat Buck, Christopher Daniels, Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler. Um, the, uh, right now, it's all up in the air about what's happening to Punk because it also turns out that he ended up suffering a triceps injury, not because of the altercation, but because of the, uh, of the, match, yeah, the match against Marks. Um, so that means uh, apparently his the prognosis is that he could be back within six to eight months' time. Um, Godness knows what happens now. Um, All right, here's 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 my rundown. Right. Okay. One. I love the prospect that Kenny Omega's first thought was, "I need to get the dog out of here." Again, the only person because, I have a man of respect for because he's a dog lover. Because that's the hilarious... That's like the, oh my God, that's so Kenny kind of thing. Yes. The second thing is him then returning and then being bitten by a steel. <laughs> Not the dog. <laughs> by a steel. By a steel. Who then also, I believe, tried to justify it saying he thought that Kenny was going for his wife. Yep. Uh, which, apparently, apparently he put which is Ace even a... which has a whole other layer to this. Yeah. Which, which my response is: so you bite the man, right? So there, there's that. There's the thing of allegedly the Bucks kicked the door in, which I find hilarious. So apparently that is a what that is a um a misinterpretation. Yes. Uh, and, that and is this is the meant thing. figuratively. <laughs> They're like, he, they figuratively kicked the doors in because, like, as other people have been saying about this, I would be inclined to believe this if he was talking about anyone other than the fucking Young Bucks. Yes. Exactly. Right? It's a very... This whole situation, comp like, with the reports, uh, is a very he said, she said sort of thing. You know and what I mean? And, and it's exactly yeah. what you would do. If if I'm talking in my professional sense from my time having spent two and a half years doing HR, um, my first thing would be immediately just like get them into arbitration with the legal team. Mm. Just immediately organize that. Apparently, a third party is investigating the fracas yeah. in the minute, and I'm right. imagining that's probably a legal team looking over that. So. It just, it just immediately you get them into arbitration, and you, as the legal team and the HR team, just figure out like exactly what was happening. Every single person that was involved. Mm. The second part of this, which is the conspiracy brain, okay, says that isn't this hypothetically one of the greatest ways to set up a CM Punk versus Kenny Omega match. Uh, oh, oh, That's conspiracy God. brain. That's yeah. like complete conspiracy brain, right? I mean, like, in, I term, in, in, in terms of context, now this would be the most Vince McMahon decision ever. Yes. Right? Yes. Which is why I'm calling it conspiracy brain. Because I have okay. no actual belief that this would ever happen. Right, you but never like, know. But like, as as the history of wrestling dictates, 
this situation is rife for booking a feud. Yeah. It is. But no but no bone or vein or blood vessel in my body would ever actually conceive of orchestrating this for that purpose. I just sure cannot not. believe that they would ever go to that level of doing it. But Tony Khan I mean, is, they a, didn't, is a crazy they didn't billionaire. Even re- they didn't even record them entering the room. There was no cameras there. So, like... Yeah, if I, I reckon if... if it, it, I reckon if... Um, if it comes to, like, that Brandon Cutler did record it, I wonder if that was more for illegal, for, for legal purposes than actually, Probably. you know, storyline. Yeah. <laughs> or it could have been Michael Nakazawa. You never know. <laughs> It turns, uh, out, actually, it turns out it was Punk's dog Larry that actually had the footage, but you can't use it because Kenny took him out the room. <laughs> what a bizarre, bizarre scene! And we, oh, and, yeah. and, and we, uh, we're in the history of Bret Hart punching Vince McMahon out after the Montreal screw job, and I feel that this is even weirder. Oh no, this is infinitely weird. Because the Montreal, right, because like admittedly, right, if we had social media around at the time of the Montreal Screwjob, right, it would probably be exactly like this. Oh fucking hell it would. But like ultimately, the the whole point about like the Montreal Screwjob that we have is like, oh, was it a shoot or was it a work, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas this, we're like, so (laughs) someone busted into someone's dressing room, tried to fight them in the exact time context that would like lead to so many weird situations happening because like someone was saying like oh they knocked at his door but didn't answer so there's a possibility that punk was actually in the shower when they entered his dressing room so there is a possibility that punk fought the young bucks buck naked a man named ace steel Bit another human being after after that person took his dog out of the room, <laughs> and his dog has a more normal name than him. It got you right. You're this right? is this is why I say to people like, "What the fuck is wrestling? <laughs> like, actually, what the fuck is this?" Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I say um, we move on before we like lose our minds. True. So, it, needless to say, everyone's been stripped of their titles because, man, believe it or not, Kenny and oh, the, yeah, Kenny we... and the Bucks won the trios championship. We have we have a we have a new set of interim titles. John Moxley is pissed off because he was supposed to go on holiday, but now has to short, sort this shit out. My yeah. guy is literally putting the entire company on his back. Yes. And li- literally, I cannot leave you guys alone for five seconds. He is an all-timer by default now because of this, yeah. if you ask me. <laughs> also, yeah, he had a tremendous... Actually had a tremendous match at All Out. But uh, I, I will say what um what the fellas at Wrestling said. Don't let him win this title tournament. Give him a fucking holiday he deserves. I, yeah. I I was there and said like honestly, with how things are lining out, bro, just give it Danielson. Like actually, just give it Danielson. Let him hold down the fort. Yeah, yeah. I would. I agree. I would agree to. I, 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 I literally agree do not. I literally do not care what anyone says about like. Oh, this is a chance to like promote a new start. Just give it Danielson. Just right. just let it. Just let just let it settle in. 
then you can worry about who comes next. You can run Danielson versus MJF. Which right? is probably going We're to be happy, the, right? the logical conclusion, of course, to that. Right, where every everyone ends up happy, right? We get let MJF have a good run, then we could do something like MJF versus Ricky Starks later down the line. Ricky Starks wins, and then get a massive moment out of it. Yeah. Oh, at least uh, now with the trios championship in the hands of Death Triangle, we've got two pack now. We do in fact have two pack because <laughs> we got all Atlantic and trios champion two pack <laughs> straight out of Greg's. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, it's it's a crazy old week. Um, gosh, we see what happens with AEW now going down the line because it's got Literally. a lot. We've now Malachi Black having a conditional release. Um, the condition being, don't yeah, go to WWE. Which, um, it's a lot, which, of, but which also though, I am so happy that he is taking the time out uh, to get the sort of help exactly and he needs exactly because. Like the situation sounds similar to something that I've been through. If I am understanding the context of it, which is mm. he's being released from his contract to give him time to receive the help that he needs, yeah. it frees him from media obligations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really awesome. That man needs his time and his rest. Absolute freaking lootly. Um, gosh, we'll see what happens because AEW is a very different beast now. Oh yeah, it really is. <laughs> Especially with this nonsense going on. What you mean, especially including uh, including a man biting someone else? You know, I'm gonna say yes. I feel like there was a story not too long ago about someone uh, someone biting someone. I feel like that, but I can't remember what exactly who it was or where, what promotion it was in. Um. Uh, at least when Shayna Baszler does it. it, she draws blood. I mean... <laughs> if you're going to bite a person, do it right, I guess? Oh, I guess the the highlight, I guess, for Dynamite was that Daniel Garcia came out with Westside Gun to win their ROH Pure Championship. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's pretty much everything I know from the world of wrestling um, that's going on. Anything else, Dan? I'm going to leave it at that. Good. Thank God for that. Uh, Reardon, do we have a recommendation this week? Yes, 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 I do. Guys, how do you feel about the works of one J.R.R. Tolkien? I I love the Lord of the Rings. I mean, I, I'm a bona fide Lord of the Rings fan. Well, you're in luck. Is it the Rings of Power? It, okay, so this is probably... <laughs> it's weird as hell that this might be the most controversial recommendation corner I ever run, or at least so far, because people's reactions to this have been so, like... Not even of it, like, its general quality, but just it existing as a product in of itself mm. has been so utterly polarizing it's kind of shocking. Yeah. Now, I'm going to put my cards on the table for you and for the listeners. I have no I have no great love for Tolkien and his works. Now, when I say that, I love the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies. Like Same. I love them. I Some of my favorite movies. What I'm talking about is I haven't read any of the books. I am not going to because they're just too damn long. 
Correct. And two, and just like Tolkien was a absolutely like my my reaction to Tolkien as a storyteller was that he was a fantastic linguist. I mean, you know, that was kind of part of his job. Yeah. But. Like, like, like. Uh, so basically, basically what you're telling me is you don't want to read the Silmarillion and then have to understand like thousands of years of the morphology of the elvish language yeah no i don't want to look at that that's not something that interests me i'm (laughs) i'm sorry if that makes me the bad guy here but it's but it's it's the damn truth okay so i have no kind of i have no feeling of like works of tolkien being this sacrosanct sacred thing Mm. for me it's just another thing like spider-man I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's very important to me, but he's a comic book character. What I'm saying is we need to gain some perspective. Having all of that being said, I don't know what to tell you guys. I'm actually really digging Rings of Power. <laughs> like, I, like, I really am. Does it's, it feel it's... Does it feel like a... I, I guess the thing is, from what I've heard, it feels incredibly low budget, but I'm guessing, does it feel like a a fan tribute then in that case to Lord of the Rings. Like a fan film. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Anyone who's saying that like, oh, like the, oh, it's like, it's like a fan film. The budget isn't there. It is literally the most expensive season of television ever made. Mm. Ever. And every single bit of that is on the screen. It is fantastic looking. Oh my God. Like, in terms of visuals alone, it's 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 honestly incredible, and I don't know how you can say that with a straight face. Mm. Say what you will about the writing, say what you will about anything, but like, no, no, that it is incredible looking. I really dig all the performances. Yeah, anyone complaining about black elves and dwarves can fuck right off. I'm just remember they actually uh, they are in the books but i think the thing that gets on the people's crawl is because they're black there i said it it. i'm a i'm a say i'm a say this i'm a say this bluntly you every time that it is either whenever this stop pops up it's either why don't you make your own thing okay you can't make your own thing it's woke i know what you're doing I've yeah. lived long enough to know what you're doing. Mm. Go Remember, fuck yourself. Like I said, Sorry. people are willing to sit through and read hundreds of pages about like distinct morphology of like the changes of a language over distinct periods of time in a fantasy setting. But it's literally like, like this is disregarding the whole thing that Tolkien like makes it very clear that like there are aspects to this where they talk about like the the race of people oh, it's like the halfets isn't it mm. yeah like and all that having having darker skin anyway so like a just l like yeah. you're wrong but also like just also like why do you care yeah like literally why do you care it, it's a it's a real thing of like oh it's not what Tolkien. it's not what Tolkien envisioned i'm like Tolkien. god love him was an oxford professor who was who was born in like the late 19th century the man had some blind spots i ain't gonna call like like i'm, I'm just kind of like I'm, if you if that is a, go, a, a legitimate complaint you have i see what you're doing Fuck okay it's that is it. i'm sorry i know i said i'll try and keep this as brief as i can but i'm just gonna jump in onto this 
I hope people know that like the whole thing about him writing down The Hobbit was because he used to verbally recount it to his son. And then his son kept telling about how he kept making errors because his son remembered the last time he told the story. Mm. Like this is yeah. literally a whole thing about his process, right? So like just allow it to be its own thing. Tolkien was not perfect by any L- stretch. L- literally, literally. Oh god, I have so many thoughts on this, but I'm not going to because this is recommendation corner. And honestly, I recommend it. I'm having a good time. If you if you're a fan of like the Lord of Rings films, you're gonna have a good time with this because it really does like it really does kind of slot in really well. If if that is if that is your perspective on it, Um, people have some kind of issues on Galadriel. I really like how Galadriel is 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 done with this as as you find out that a thousand years before like any of the the third age of this world like she has literally never had any chill about anything and it's fun to see <laughs> oh. like, like real, sorry we're very very quickly why are people saying that this is out of character for galadriel like even even stemming the fact that like this is like before like a thousand years of like developing when we see her, like if you watch the movies, Galadriel was always off. Oh, like, absolutely, like, Galadriel like, was like, off. Like, like very specifically, she's the elf that everyone's a bit like. Uh, maybe we should stay here for a bit. She has obviously seen some shit, and it has affected her. Like that and scene you... is like, I I don't care. That scene is like really in 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 Fellowship of the Ring. That scene is like. Yeah, something ain't right with Galadriel. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like she's the one, she's like the closest to proper like fair folk that we see, <laughs> and it's awesome, and that's why I love it. And you still get, and you still have shades of that. She just never had any chill, and I appreciate it. So that's my recommendation. Rings of Power, go watch it. It's good. I like it. <laughs> oh, right then. With all that being said, let us get on. <laughs> With the main portion of our episode. Fellas, it is the legend of the Blue Demon. Now, first question before I get into our quick little retrospective is kind of like with El Santo. I guess when it comes to Lucha Libre, you know of the image of Blue Demon. And I'm guessing that's where you kind of... The knowledge of Blue Demon kind of starts and stops. Yeah, I was me, gonna say yes. my first my first exposure to Blue Demon was literally that picture of him in a suit. <laughs> nice. If anyone like, doesn't literally. know, my profile picture at the moment is is of is that iconic image of Blue Demon in a white suit. <laughs> you have to understand. I found that picture which someone had like photocopied or like scanned from um the the book about cataloging luchadors and i wish i could remember the photographer's name but i can't um but yeah like it's really 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 awesome um i'm sure if you search up like photo book of luchadors you will find it yes yes so i guessing with with that the same knowledge of of Demon is the same as El Santo. You've seen that mask. It's probably one of the most iconic masks in all of, of, of professional wrestling. But you don't know as much of the man as you should. I guess if we were living in Mexico, again, he's the pop culture icon right next to Santo. Yeah. 
Alrighty then. So shall I begin at the beginning, which is always a very good place to start with these retrospectives. So, as I said, when you think of Lucha Libre, no two men represent the cultural impact on Mexico and the wider wrestling world more than El Santo and Blue Demon. Born Alejandro Munoz Moreno in 1922, he was the fifth of 12 children in the Moreno family. <laughs> fifth of 12? Yep. Fifth of 12. Almost a middle child. <laughs> well, children, my God. Uh, his parents were skilled farmers as he grew up in the small town of Garcia, Nuevo Leon. And his childhood was one of ups and downs, as when moving at a young age to the town of Rinacoda, he attended school and really did not take to it well. Um, he was a very, very, very slow learner and was very much one of those kids that kind of didn't really wasn't really getting much out of the system yeah uh, and soon enough he would drop out of school as he kind of saw really not no reason to study whilst living in such a small town with little to no prospects to thrive and make a career but one subject he did love before he did drop out was music so much so he actually tried to become a musician in his early years but it was not meant to be and after his venture in music, he would move to Monterey to live with his aunt and uncle and then getting a job working for the Mexican National Railroad. It's kind of like British Rail that it, yeah. before it was privatised. <laughs> God damn it, we're not talking about this. <laughs> we're not talking about the price hikes of British, of British Rail yeah. costs. <laughs> but no, whilst at his time working as a railroad attendant, he had a chance meeting with the brother of one of his, one of his work friends, uh, the legendary Rolando Vera. Now, Vera is... A very not well-known name outside of Mexico. However, he is one of the most iconic NWA middleweight champions. That's CMLL, right? Correct. Or EMLL, as it would be known yeah. back then. Um, but it, through that chance meeting, uh, Vera kind of um, was taken aback uh, by just how big Moreno was at such an early age. <laughs> Uh, he was a tall kid grown up and was known for his ginormous hands. <laughs> so much so that his co-workers would even give him the nickname Manatos, referring to the size and strength of them. Oh. It's just there like, man, this dude is a unit. <laughs> <laughs> so it was with this chance meeting that Vera decided that he would offer Marino a chance to be tutored by him in several non-combat sports before being convinced to give Lucha Libre a try. He started off, Marino, uh, uh, with an amateur wrestling career. And whilst I couldn't find much information on the bouts themselves, what is known and recorded is that he had a record of 8-0. and zero. Ooh. Ooh. So he did have quite... He had some chops on him in the amateur hmm? field. But after being seen by a Lucha promoter, Moreno was thrusted into the Lucha Libre scene, making his debut in 1948 in Laredo, Texas, wrestling under his real name and actually scoring a victory against Chima Lopez. But it was after this that Vera kind of had a really kind of spark of an idea for Moreno. 
He told him, wear a blue mask with blue trunks and blue boots. And you're going to be called the Blue Demon. Now, of course, Marino had no objection to it. Because he always knew that Rolando Vera's ideas were good. He had a very kind of solid kind of like track record mm-hmm. with all of that stuff. And um, they, he decided, why not? Just give it a go. See where it goes for me. Little would Marino know. <laughs> I just liked the idea that he was just like the brainwave was just like the color blue. <laughs> yes. Like we... I know it's. I know we like. It's kind of funny to make jokes about, like, obviously the fact of, like, at the time this is happening, because <laughs> like we're quite early on in the history. But it's just like I've got it, blue. Yeah. <laughs> so he started wrestling. Funnily enough, in Monterey, uh, whilst keeping uh, uh, his normal life as a railroad uh, road attendant. But he ended up debuting in September of 1948 as the Blue Demon, scoring a win over Benny R. Silla. Now, he was positioned as a Rudo during this time, which everyone knows Rudo means... Heel. Heel. Yeah. In Mexico. There you go. We got They're there. kind of the same, but also not really. That That's <laughs> the whole thing for another time. I think we did that once. I don't know. <laughs> so, EML... EMLL president Salvador Lutorov once sent uh, one of his talent scouts to give a look at some uh, some actually American wrestlers, uh, female wrestlers that were performing in and around the Nuevo Laredo area. However, his talent scout decided to, just on the off chance, have a look at a card that was going on in Monterey. And that's where Demon was there in the main event. And after... After the event and Blue Demon went to get his, you know, his usual payoff from the time there for his work and time there, the the Arena Monterey promoter gave him the note from uh, Salvador's uh, uh, talent scout um, that it was a recommendation. Come to us and you can wrestle anytime you want to if you ever come into Mexico City. So he told uh, Marino would tell Vera about that letter and they decided, right, this is your ticket. Let's intensify your training, get you in tip-top shape and we'll go over to uh, Mexico City. That's where you need to get going. I love stuff like that where it's literally just the thing of like a guy (laughs) where it's just like... You know, I'm going to go watch this show anyway. I know like I'm meant to be on my way to somewhere else, but like I've got time. (laughs) I've got time. And he just finds someone and he's just like, no, this is it. I've got this. <laughs> so, his first, uh, his first match at uh, at in Mexico City at the old Reno, Mexico, was against Ciclón Veloz in a two out of three falls match, uh, to which um, he Blue Demon lost by disqualification, solidifying him as a as a Rudo after it and he made he caused quite the ruckus in that in that match which solidified him as a pure out and out rudo for emll so after this he decided uh pretty much kind of a couple of months afterwards that he would decide to stay in mexico city and left his job his his very well-paying job at the railway station and uh, decided to take up sticks with his wife and his then son to move to the capital. So, 
few years down the line, we get to 1952. He was there for facing off against some of the top wrestlers in EMML at that time. And on November 7th of 1952, arguably, probably one of the most important matches in the history of EMLL or Lucha Libre as a whole, uh, as a whole was held. El Santo defeating the Black Shadow in a mask versus mask match. Blue Demon, who was seconding Shadow on that match, promised he'd avenge the mask loss of his brother because on the wrestling world, Shadow and Demon were billed as real-life brothers and would actually end up becoming a tag team known as Los Hermanos Shadow. Nice. The Shadow nice, Brothers. Nice, nice. nice. Because, I, because I know that this is all happening, like, way back in the... Like, I say way back in the past. Further back in time... I can't call it edgy, so I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They didn't. They hadn't. They hadn't discovered edge yet. Yeah. I apologise because I believe I said Blue Demon defeated Black Shadow. It was actually El Santo defeated Black Shadow in the Mask versus Mask match. Oh, my apologies for that. Yeah, makes more sense actually when you think about it. Um, but it was actually soon after that match that. Uh, Demon would turn full Technico and probably one of the wisest business decisions he ever took decided to start feuding with the recently then turned Rudo El Santo. He's just the, double, like the double swerve, basically. That's bizarre as hell. He, he was just there like, no, trust me, I, we, we, we can make some money out of this. <laughs> so with that, they, they kind of feuded all over Mexico, with Santo teaming up with Gory Guerrero to take on Los Hermanos Shadow. And they were making gangbusters with this rivalry. So much so that on August 1953, one of the biggest matches, Demon and Santo had their very first singles match. And surprisingly, Demon defeated Santo in two straight falls, which gave him the right to challenge El Santo for the NWA welterweight title. I'm still a bit shocked that, like, Santo was a Rudo at one point? Yeah. That's I mean, this is, this is the thing, though, when I say about these things, because, like, they're kind of, They end up being more complicated than, like, the American conception. Because mm. basically, as far as I mean, this is obviously from my limited experience with lucha. As far as I can tell, basically the key thing about Rudos is that Rudos like don't quite like like respect the rules, mm. and like it's not so much as just being like evil. It's just about not having respect. Yes, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. That's interesting. I don't know. Anyone that knows more about Lucha than me, please educate me. <laughs> please do. Please do. Because uh, as I say, you know, as much as I know, uh, like, a little, uh, uh, I have a knowledge of Lucha Libre, it is very lacking in certain areas. As I said last year, particularly in the early years of Lucha Libre, because it very much didn't come out of me in the wider area. It was never really left Mexico and Texas, really. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. On September the 25th, 1953, at La Lorena Coliseo, in what is regarded as one of Dimon's most important and iconic matches, he would defeat Santo in three falls to win the NWA Welterweight Championship. And he would keep that title for four and a half years. 
Mexican wrestling moment, baby. <laughs> Eventually dropping the title to one Karloff Legard in January 31st, 1958. And yes, before you ask, Karloff Legard was a play on Boris Karloff. Oh man! I, this is why this is why I love when I say to people about like in Mexico, titles don't really matter that much. <laughs> just the, my mm. guy was champion for four and a half years, and it's just like never really addressed. I mean, this does fall into the greater conversation that I feel like not enough people put respect on Lucha mm. in the border oh, canon. But I just find it like incredible that just like he was just champion for four and a half years, and then that's just kind of like not a footnote. Yes. Uh, another another match that needs to kind of go into play here is what was considered the night or what was publicated as the 1953 match of the year in Mexico, which was the time limit draw between Los Hermanos Shadow and the team of Cavinaro Galindo and El Santo. Hell yeah! I I tried to find if there was images or footage of it. I couldn't. I not no such luck. So if anyone actually has any sort of photographic or video evidence of that match please Hell please yeah. please do let us know so couldn't neither confirm nor deny this but there are reports that suggest in 1955 blue demon would capture the national welterweight championship but it's never been confirmed nor denied as there is quite a hole uh, in the title history of the national welterweight championship between uh, late 1940s to mid 1950s. But what we do know for a fact is that he would capture the, that definitely capture the national welterweight championship in 1962, again, defeating Carlos Lagarde in Mexico city. But he would end up having a, a lesser reign with that title as he would lose it six months, like uh, six months later. But uh, during this time, Blue Demon would not hold a title until 1976. That's... Wow. A long, long old time. Uh, and there was actually kind of a little reason for that. Blue Demon was actually uh, the co-star with, uh, with, uh, with his good friend El Santo in a whole bunch of luchador films. My guy was too busy getting the bag. And as everyone Said, nah, knows, I don't, I don't even need titles right now. As everyone knows, I know what I'm up to. El Santo has had one of the most prolific careers uh, as a character in all of film. I I would say Mexican film, but let's be honest, the man has more films than James Bond. Wow! <laughs> oh man! So I'm literally just looking at. I'm looking at like. The, I've got the filmography up. Mm. And what I love is like the progression of stuff. Yes. Because it started, I'm looking at this right now, right? So it starts off 1961's La Furia del Ring, The Fury of the Ring, right? Mm. That makes sense. 1962, Asesinos de la Lucha Libre, Wrestling Assassins, on brand, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. 1965, Demonio Azul, Blue Demon, starring as himself, right? Probably like I, I don't, I'm not going to assume it's some kind of biopic or anything, but like you know what I mean. It, mm. it attracts. 1966, Blue Demon versus El Poder Satanico, Blue Demon versus the Satanic Power. 
Now, I feel like in 1965-1966, there was a change. <laughs> Would you believe that Mexico decided to take, to, to, to say, up yours to Universal's copyrights for Monsters? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> they didn't care. Damn, we wink. are talking about Lucha Libre. Yes. The <laughs> the wrestling canon, which which includes... Was it Arachnoman? Yes. Before well, that would be the WC- official that, Marvel license? I think that was actually WCW, uh, as, if, if memory serves me correct. Um, but no, what, uh, they've had He-Man... They had so many iterations of He-Man over the years. <laughs> and then it, it, it kind of just goes... It goes on from there and there. Uh, some of my highlights in this are... <laughs> uh, Santo contra Blue Demon on La Atlantida. Santo versus Blue Demon in Atlantis. <laughs> yes! I love that one. Which, that which, great. frankly... It's incredible because that just sounds like they just gave a setting to it and they have like an underwater wrestling match based. Um, uh, 1973's uh, Blue Demon Izovec in La Invasion de los Muertos. Blue Demon and Zovec in the Invasion of the Dead. <laughs> yes. Needless to say... And then I have to mention... I'm sorry, I have to mention this one. 1977, The Mansion of the Seven Mummies. Yes. That one is is just... Ah, iconic. (laughs) I just... It's just... I'm so glad that once, you know... There's a reason we're talking about all of these because we'll come back to it later on in in the end. I like the concept of the Luchador film. <laughs> it's I so really do. good. It's I love because it. it it's it's this like weird mishmash of like lucha libre, lucha libre wrestlers, then doing like action sci-fi horror B movie. You know what? You yes. know what? Actually, you know what? Now you know what? I just thought of something really quick, really quickly. I know this is slight sidetrack, but I got to ask this question. Mm. Do we think that, like, you know, that Scooby Doo did did, did 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 that like movie with WWE? Yes. Honestly, it would be more culturally accurate that they did like a Lucha Libre meets Scooby Doo movie. Could you imagine an El Santo Scooby Doo? Like, I believe they they tried getting it done because they did like a straight to video. Um, Scooby Doo, uh, where they went, they took place in Mexico. Well, I was um, gonna say, because in my head, mm. I had, I had a, I had a thing of that. <laughs> um, what I can tell you though, and I found what I've just found out. <laughs> so you know, Scooby Doo, uh. Was it like WrestleMania Mystery? Yes. Yeah, something like that. So yeah. I've just found the Spanish title. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Which is Scooby Doo Mysterio on La Lucha Libre. <laughs> I wonder if they. I was just. No. This is starting to become like like that 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 great bit in the undiscovered country where it's like you you should you should hear it in the original Klingon. Yes. 
Yes. I'm also just looking through and... Apparently there is a character in Scooby-Doo the movie, as in like the live-action one, who yes. is canonically a Lupador. Yep. Played by a New Zealander. <laughs> I believe, or Australian. What? I'm... I I'm actually like incredibly disappointed that what we've never had El Santo meet Scooby Doo. Yeah. Yeah. Like cuz I feel the... like that's rife to work, right? No, but that's my point, right? Like if we're going for like something that is like culturally accurate and makes total sense, we need that Lucha Libre Scooby Doo, like very specifically Lucha Libre Scooby Doo matchup. And you know also what's just crazy? found that there's there's a second WWE and Scooby Doo movie. That's true. Mm -hmm. uh, Scooby Doo and WWE Curse of the Speed Demon. Yes. Do you know uh, which, uh, which I love? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. The first credit for this is The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. God. Do you know, non-canonically, though, I say this, El Santo and Batman have met together, so why not fucking Scooby-Doo? No, right, but, like, I think Reed understands what I'm getting at here when I say yeah. that Scooby-Doo is, like, perfect for Lucha Libre. Yes, yes absolutely. Because, yes, obviously, in the context of Lucha Libre, removing the mask is incredibly insensitive. Yes. But, like, the guy who's, like, the villain hiding under a Lucha mask... Oh, yo... Yo, I think we've really got something here. <laughs> right, can the makers of Scooby-Doo hit us up? Because we've got you set. We Warner, bro we Warner Brothers, get that shit sorted, man. I'm telling give you. Us, give us, like, give us a call. We can get a pitch ready to go. <laughs> right? Have a, have a wrestler, right, who's competing as, like, I don't know, Wolfman or something, right? Like, that's a, that's a classic Scooby-Doo thing, right? Someone's dressed like a wolf. Right, Wolfman Luchador, and then there's like you know a person who's trying to like take down the wrestling company, and then like the person that actually like wears it is like been like thrown into like a storage locker somewhere, like Scooby Doo style, like janitor's closet. Boom, the the mystery crew, mystery gang, whatever they're called, come through and they're like that's not the guy. Ah, duh, duh, duh. and then everyone's like happy, right? Mm -hmm. Mate, I'm a fucking expert at this. TV company <laughs> literally signed me up. <laughs> damn straight man damn straight all right where was i oh yes not receiving a title until 1976 i get there eventually so he was making films at this around that point uh that's the reason why he wouldn't taste gold for a little while one of the reasons but in uh, he would in 1976 in july he would defeat mano negra in a match for the mexican welterweight title um, and it was, uh, and he would eventually be beaten in February of 1977 against Fishman. Yes, a wrestler. There was a luchador called Fishman. Excellent. No notes. So, Continue. During around that little span of time, going from the 50s all the way to, to the 70s, uh, Blue Demon did have his fair share of ups and downs one of the very first downs that he had was suffering a quite a serious injury in 1957 uh during a match in tampico he would end up head first whacking himself on the ring post and fracturing his skull he had to Oof. end up wearing a halo 
and a neck beam to keep his to keep his neck and head in place. Um, and for several months he was out, well for several months yeah he was out for that. Yeah. Um, supposed to be a year. He ended up being several months. Oh no, he didn't. Yeah, he kind of came back way too soon. Like unfortunately, oh, a lot of mate. wrestlers end up doing wrestling moment. Uh, let's not forget that CM Punk fractured his skull. Supposed to be out for a year, came back in two months. God damn it. Again, this is why I say to people like wrestling is the most unhinged thing, because in like no other place would you ever hear that be allowed to happen. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. Um, but it was shortly after Demond's return that he would have end up having one of his uh, very first fallouts with EMLL. Uh, a transport problem without any kind of being warning was uh, sent to different was sent to different places for these guys and in place instead of getting a plane a charter plane to the location oh no they decided to make the talent take a truck to the oh location. no after many miles demon became incredibly pissed off and once his truck ended up in el paso visiting his old friend gory guerrero He'd end up having two fights for the promotion he was ending up starting. Uh, he ended up having two matches for Gory Guerrero's promotion that he started there and decided to earn enough money. Uh, with enough money, decided to take a charter plane to Mexico. <laughs> now, the promoter for EMLL, Gorilla Ramos, was incredibly upset with Blue Demon fighting for Guerrero without their permission. And the EMLL board, with Lutaroff included, had a meeting with Demon to probably tell him about the punishment they had for him. But before they even could speak, Demon told him that he was very grateful for what they'd done, but I'm fucking off now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, pretty much like El Santo did, like Gory Guerrero did uh, during their time, he became a free agent and decided to wrestle all across Mexico and decided to take excursions to New York, um, several other US cities and around Latin America, which allowed him to have I much more free time. Fucking based that is. Yes. This He was, was there. Mm. They said, nah, you gotta get a truck. He went, Don't worry, right? Like I'll I'll, I'll agree to that. Gets off, has two matches, charters a plane, <laughs> and then just goes, Hey, I'm done. <laughs> I've had enough of your shit. And because of his now freelance status, that was his in to start acting, and especially acting with his good friends Santo and Guerrero every so often. Demon, who really at this time never took an off, apart from having the serious um, skull injury, never really had an off day in his time in Lucha Libre, ended up suffering one of his most... Um, infamous injuries in 1965 if i mean if you i mean if you can't call a skull fracture infamous this one ends up becoming quite infamous unfortunately during a match against cavinero galindo in 1965 demon fell through the ropes outside of the ring and due to the collision of the concrete floor one of his blood vessels broke oh oh no Despite being told by the doctor backstage, do not eat anything, Blue Demon had dinner. 
And a few moments later, after having dinner, he lost consciousness, fell off the stairs, and fractured his skull again. Oh, my... Oh, my God, man. Come on. Come on. Talk about a a luchador with the worst luck in the world. What? So he was out for a whole another year after that. But from then on, until his retirement, he kept wrestling very consistently, as well as making several films of his own. He would eventually end up around the mid-70s, help the training of young wrestlers at the Arena Mexico gym, and would eventually open up his own gym known as the Blue Demon Gym, located in Mexico City. And then he ended up having a pretty solid career as a legend from the mid-70s, leading up to 1989, where Demon said that it was time to start thinking about his retirement and would go and embark on a retirement tour across Mexico. His Arena Mexico retirement saw him, his son, Blue Demon Jr., and Ringo Mendoza go over against the team of Emilio Charles Jr., Pirata Morgan, and Satanico. His Tijuana retirement was a uh, was a um, a match which saw him, his son, and Alcatraz go over against Hijo del Gladiator, Cajos and Leon Chino. But the big retirements were in place that saw him mature as a wrestler in Monterey. His big retirement, final retirement shows would end up taking in the place where he all, where everything started for him. Fitting. Thing is, though, he wasn't actually going to wrestle a retirement match in Monterey, but the promoters had quite a big and quite spectacular retirement planned for him, which, of course, he was like, oh, go on then. Fine, I guess. So, in a mask versus mask match, he ended up unmasking one of the biggest legends of the 1970s, El Rejo del Jalisco. And if that wasn't enough, his last, very last match was a mask versus mask match where he won and took the hood of El Matanmico. Mat- no, Meta Mata uh, I am so sorry. Matematico. Matematico, sorry. I get there eventually. I am so sorry to everyone for the pronunciations. I tried to get it right and I, I knew it when I get to the recording I'd mess it up. So none of us speak Spanish, it's okay. This left Blue Demon with a perfect Lucha de Apuestas record of winning every single time an Apuestas match would took place. Nice. He, he just said, nah, if I'm retiring and you're making me retire, I'm going over next level. The, Forget that. I want more. The only man who, one of the very few people, I should say, sorry, to be able to have a clean Apuestas record... With more than, like, two matches. <laughs> so, if you really want to know the people he faced, uh, the, well, the only ones we have that documented, he defeated Jorge Allende, Moloch, Baby Olsen, Tony Bourne, Cavanero Galindo, Conde Giuseppe Dadone, Espanto II, Espectro II, Maquinda Sejave, Rayo de Jalisco, and Matamak... Well, sorry, Dan, can you do it for me again? Sorry. Matematico. Matematico. Twice in a mask and in a hair match. So, yeah. 
that that uh, that that ends up with Blue Demon and his career in wrestling. He would eventually come back for bit spots here and there as a legend every so often. And in 1996, AAA ran a quite controversial angle involving Demon. Now, Blue Demon and Ray Mendoza were being honoured in the ring for their careers when Perov came up, ripped Demon's diploma, ended up attacking him. Now this. Angle, of course, wouldn't be isn't so weird seeing, you know, across the world, especially in WWF, where you have a legend that gets attacked. Yeah. Um, but this was never seen before in Mexico and gave um well, it gave Perov nuclear heat to the point that crowds were about to riot just as he appeared on the entranceway afterwards. Well, that's how you know it's going good. <laughs> <laughs> And so in 2000, EMLL would uh, would end up have hosting a tournament, one of their very first tournaments, the Leyenda Azul tournament in Arena Mexico in honour of Blue Demon. And Blue Panther would be defeated in the finals of the elimination match to win the trophy, which was actually a belt, actually not a trophy. And also Demon was presented with a medal by the late Cavanero Galindo's son. Munoz would die just before noon on Saturday, December the 16th, 2000, suffering a, a, a fatal heart attack on a park bench near a subway kiosk while on his way home from his regular morning training session at the Blue Demon Gym. Although an attempt was made to get him to the hospital, unfortunately, he was unable to be revived. He was 78 years old. Damon was buried wearing his trademark luchador blue mask, which was never removed in public as he always kept his true identity a secret. But the only time he was ever revealed was when he made his debut, of course, as himself when he was only 20 years old. His legacy, of course, lives on through his son, Blue Demon Jr. And is still considered, one again, one of the... Uh, Blue Demon Jr. is considered one of the most popular stars in Mexican wrestling. So... The legend of the Blue Demon still lives very strong within Mexico. And that's where we're going to wrap up on this episode. So, again, kind of like I... Apologies if this one was a bit short, fellas. Like with the El Santo episode, it was it was very hard to, to try and get as much information as I yeah. can um, when, the, when the world of Lucha Libre hasn't been very well documented, or at least kept historically. It hasn't been very well, well documented. I was going to say, it hasn't been documented that well in, uh, in English, we'll say. <laughs> That's that's for true. Because that's kind of the that's kind of the inevitable, the inevitable thing with it, which is I always try and find more resources, but then obviously the problem becomes that you know I have to deal with it being in Spanish and I can't read Spanish, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> Very tr- that that is that is true. Um, what did you think of it though, fellas? Was it, I mean. I mean, fascinating no. dude who needed to stop breaking his damn <laughs> head. <laughs> I just with this, I mean, I, what I love is that I got to, you know, I'm, I'm a massive Blue Demon fan. I, I love, I especially a massive fan of Blue Demon Jr., who is to this day still the first Mexican, st- first and only Mexican professional wrestler to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, where he defeated, funny enough, Adam Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> What a time. What a time in history. What a time. Um, Blue Demon Jr. was in Lucha Underground. Yeah. 
He was indeed. He was indeed. Uh, I just, again, I've always loved the look of Blue Demon and El Santo. And, and it was because of watching, like, when Wrestling Channel would have Mexican coverage of CMLL uh, that got me more interested in the films. And, of course, the films have become... I wouldn't even at this say at this point become a guilty pleasure. They've just become the thing, that niche part of my it, though, film right? love. <laughs> with that kind of thing, it, it come. It, they were never designed to be like high art. <laughs> no, not a million years. And so, when you approach them from when you approach them from that perspective, then it's like, okay we can like we can run with this because like we we all like a good schlocky b movie every now and then oh Oh, yeah absolutely like i know that like half of the um what i'm gonna frame using the terms cantonese crime dramas yes that i watch are like not meant to actually be good (laughs) listen there's a reason why john woo is probably my favorite director of all time right (laughs) right i know they're not meant to be particularly good like of course, like john woo actually put its effort in mm. but i know most of the ones i watch are made like you know on like a small budget and they're just meant to be like i oh, will stick on like dvd or a streaming service somewhere and someone will find it <laughs> but like that doesn't mean that they're meant to be bad mm. like they're actually quite interesting to watch and it's like <clears throat> with the with the luchador films i find so incredible because they're kind of this weird like film time capsule yeah because in essence they're basically just like they're just they follow the tradition of like kind of schlocky sci-fi films Mm -hmm. but then they have like horror and they have action and you know professional wrestlers in them doing professional wrestling stuff (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like weirdly like i said like luchadors are like kind of weirdly meant mm. to be there for it yes mm. and you know there's there's i think everything around like the mystique of them mm. is fitted agreed agreed funnily enough i forgot to mention uh one thing in part of blue demon's legacy there is a Mexican television series that ran three seasons of the Blue Demon. Of course. Um, 65 episodes, if you can find them. Unfortunately, they never really left Mexico, which is a shame. Um, But we do know that Blue Demon Jr. has said that his son is training to wrestle. Or This was 2018, so he has probably trained now and probably wrestled. But there will be a Blue Demon the third. Gotta love it. Gotta love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Blue Demon the Third actually kind of slaps as a name. Yes. No, but that's that's the thing though, because I I love the Mexican wrestling naming conventions. Oh, it's either Junior El Hijo or the number. Because like, could you imagine, right? Like, just we're picturing like far on in the future. Like we're all like fucking like fifty at this point. Oof. <laughs> Even older, maybe. But then, like, you hear about, you hear about, like, Pentagon the Third, <laughs> and he's just yeah. as nuts as his dad, if not more. <laughs> and it, and it's just. I loved, I loved the stuff of Pentagon, of Pentagon, because it's like, because he, it's literally him. It's not just that 
it's not just him taking on that name. It's it's this is this like the name of Pentagon is basically cu- is a curse name in in it, and I don't care. I'm taking on the curse. Yes. Which is one of the most metal things I have <laughs> ever heard in my life. Mm. So, and like, even even beyond like the thing of like Blue Demon the Third, it's it's like also though El Hijo del Blue Demon, the son of the Blue Demon. <laughs> that goes so fucking hard. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Oh man, I I I've had a lot of fun with this one, just as I did for the El Santo episode, <laughs> and as we're going through this, I will say this right now: uh, I am looking forward to these chaps because we are going to tie this up in a feather. Well, sorry, with a bow at the end by watching an El Santo and Blue Demon film. I am oh, so I'm excited so to watch that with you guys. <laughs> But that's all coming up later. We are going to... uh, But for now, we are going to wrap up on this episode. Next episode for Hispanic Heritage Month. Oh, man, it's one I've been looking forward to. Fellas, it is probably... In terms of wrestling, uh, in terms of America and the wider world, I think there is no more... There is no luchador that has become, I guess, more ingrained into our minds than this guy. Yes, we are talking La Parker. Here we go. The absolute nutcase luchador that wore a skull that wasn't Penta. <laughs> the man who played air guitar with a steel chair and gave us the blessing that was twatting, the greatest wrestling gift of all time possible. Swatting Glenn Gilberti on the backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say we might, you... we might, we might make next week a video podcast just so we can have that gift playing the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Oh, I'll, I'll have to see if I can do that. No, no. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's all coming up on next week's episode. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We'll see you as always on the next one. Bye, everybody. Oh, and to Glenn, have you ever worked? (laughs) See ya!